Welcome to Talking Agility, a podcast from Accenture. Your host is Elitza Necheva. For many of us, inevitably, when we first started hearing about Agile, it was in the context of software development, or, as I am sometimes reminded, in the context of rugby. Small cross-functional teams would be formed to develop better software, to do it faster, get feedback quickly, and ultimately release quicker. Flash forward nearly 20 years later, and we see that agility has become a strategic imperative for the entire business. I am Elite Nacheva, and you're with the Talking Agility podcast by Accenture Talent and Organization. My guests today have been talking agility since the beginning. We'll be talking about the journey from agile in IT to enterprise agility. Charlie Rudd is the former chairman and co-owner of Solutions IQ, which became an Accenture company in 2017. He and his brother John entered the market as an agile consultancy in 2003 after 15 years in the IT industry. Charlie is a member of Accenture's leadership team whose work focuses on employee experience and development. We've reached him near Seattle. Thanks for inviting me. John Rudd is the former president and CEO of Solutions IQ. John is now the global lead for enterprise transformation within intelligent engineering solutions and leads agility service within Accenture Solutions IT globally. John joins us from Florida today, and I think we can all agree we are a bit jealous of John's location given the cold temperatures both in Seattle and London. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you both. Um, so to kick off, perhaps could you each of you start by briefly describing the kind of work that you do with our clients? What we do uh, is around uh, what we call uh, transformation services. What that means is helping organizations change from traditional practices into uh, kind of new IT-driven practices with the ultimate goal being their need and desire to uh, improve their response in the marketplace. So it's, it's about reducing cycle time. It's about uh, being able to kind of understand uh, more clearly what is going on in the market, uh, what, are, what the client and customer needs, and then being able to take an organization sometimes that is, you know, in many countries with uh, hundreds of thousands of people and have it respond in a very nimble manner um, so that it can very quickly, uh, you know, jump into uh, whatever market opportunity that is. Um, the other concept is you jump into that market opportunity with a limited investment and kind of prove out the market before you uh, continue to expand the investment. And what's interesting about this is it's very different than traditional practices, which were very kind of big design up front, uh, you know, build it the right, right the, you know, the first time. Uh, there might be a very long cycle time, but the concept was based on the fact that there was going to be market stability and you'd be able to enjoy a return for a long period of time. And given the disruption that just is, continues to take place as uh, uh, you know, technology improves, um, what we're finding is our clients need better ways of going forward. Yeah, I think what I'd add, to, that's great, John. I, what I just add a little bit, and that is, is I think um, this need to um, focus on business transformation and to be more responsive and adaptive 
is really driven by um, really radical change in uh, the external and operating environment, which is much more volatile than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. And the kind of the general shift um, from kind of what we might say an industrial-based economy to a knowledge worker-centered economy. Um, so there's a lot of adjustments uh, that businesses need to make uh, to um, in, in, in this manner to be able to effectively respond to a very volatile marketplace. You've written in an article that you kindly shared with us that Agile is a social movement in three waves. I was wondering, could you outline those three stages for our listeners? Sure, be happy to do that. Usually when I think about Agile, I, uh, most people think about Agile, especially how it originated in IT. They start with the Agile Manifesto, which was published in 2001. That really launched what, what I sometimes call the first wave. And the real focus there was to stand up in a small uh, Agile software development team. And the focus was actually to establish and develop teams of empowered people that worked in a highly collaborative, iterative way. Um, to uh, produce software. And this was a radical change from uh, the practices that were the traditional IT software development uh, practices that preceded this kind of agile initiative. There was a lot, instead of um, people outside the team or not even having teams in the first place, taskmasters would tell people what their assignment should do and they'd work in semi-isolation as if they were doing uh, piecework from a, you know, like uh, on a construction process. Uh, but the big transformation in this first wave was to people to work together as um, um, very intimately, collaboratively, and kind of learn as they go, iteratively make uh, progress, and, and really kind of um, understand that they're focusing more on design decisions than they were on construction decisions. And through that um, first wave, there were really kind of two key practices, uh, Scrum and XP. And, um, and this kind of new uh, type of, um, of consulting developed, which was called team coaching, um, um, to, to, because essentially it, what we're doing with Agile teams and helping them is, is guiding their practice, not telling them what to do, and coaching their behavior so they become um, autonomous and independent. And that kind of then led to the next uh, phase, which is essentially... Um, what often was called Agile at scale. And it started out with this idea that what we're trying to do is integrate work across teams. So all well and good that we can do stuff on a small team of seven people, but what we have a really big initiative, how do we integrate work across teams if we must keep, if we must do work in, in small teams? And so initially, um, people's idea of what needed to be done was just a pretty limited technical idea of actually integrating that work somehow. But frankly, what happened as we attempted to do that is that we started to recognize that there were a lot of changes that were needed to take place outside the teams so that in organizational context, those teams could exist. And this led to um, organizational changes as we uh, stood up uh, cross-functional teams. It led to changes in the uh, environment, the work environment, so that teams could exist and also changed um, how people interoperated with those teams, how people were supervised. As we um, put more operational control into the teams themselves, it changes the nature of how you would do line supervision in an IT environment. And um, what also became clear was that focusing on software development teams was really just one step in a, in a broader value stream. Um, and if you really are trying to focus on delivering um, in an iterative fashion client value, you have to look across the whole value stream. Um, and so 
you need to consider how to incrementally and respond to feedback, not just in software, but upstream and downstream in terms of product management, in terms of um, delivery to um, production, et cetera. And so when we started to do that, um, we started to see that that Agile was uh, really went beyond uh, Scrum and XP and started to bleed into other types of work, such as product management. So we then recognized that, you know, Agile isn't the practice itself. Agile is actually a, a smaller set of uh, principles and values um, that we apply to different types of work. In the first cases, it was project management and software engineering. But as we went further up and down the value stream, we started to get into um, other areas. And at that time, um, it was kind of interesting um, thing that happened is that people that sponsored these initial agile scale pro uh, uh, projects, they thought that what they would do is just have Agile fit within the software development teams behind walls in IT. But what they found out is that Agile is actually more like a viral weed that digs under the wall, almost over the walls, and invades the rest of the organization. If you happen to think that the weed is noxious, you have no choice but to root mm -hmm. it out. Or what you could do is start to change your mind and say, you know, this isn't such a noxious weed after all. It's actually a pretty nutritious herb. It has fragrant flowers. And frankly, it's kind of transforming the rest of our, of our business in a positive way. And this kind of led us to the third stage, um, which is really looking at um, Agile across the enterprise. And what we, this, this kind of trend of moving up and down the value stream started to get more broad. And we started to realize that Agile can really be applied uh, with benefit to any form of knowledge work across the enterprise. It includes management, leadership, portfolio management, engineering. And in all cases, this is the same set of values and this kind of operative, of iterative, feedback-driven operating principle is, in, is applied across these different work domains. When you were um, talking about um, the kind of work that you do with our clients, you mentioned that you help them visualize the roadmap. So I wanted to take the next question to John to tell us a little bit more about how you're co-creating a roadmap to agility with our clients and what you can describe what the process looks like. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's part of our uh, what we call the initiation process. And is often is the case in life. Um, there we'll we'll have uh, clients that show up with very specific, uh, you know, requests in terms of what they're looking for. And one of the things that we always try to drive for before we try to respond to a specific request is we try to get to the why associated with what they're trying to do. So there's uh, a scaled agile framework, SAFE, which is known in the industry, and we'll have a lot of clients that. Because in, say, financial services, SAFE is being used quite a bit, that they'll come and say, can you help us, um, you know, initiate SAFE within our organization? And um, so what we try to do is we try to take it a step back uh, initially with the client and say, what is, what is the pain that you're trying to address? What are the whys associated with what you're doing? And before we get into, um, you know, uh, responding to a specific solution, let's find out and make sure that we actually understand what the, what the real need is. Um, from identifying what the real need is, we work, and again, on a co-creation basis with the client in a very iterative way um, toward a vision of what tomorrow might look like for the organization based on this why. Um, and then we do what we call an alignment session, and that is taking the various stakeholders from the functional, uh, various functional areas 
and pull them together so that we can get, you know, the appropriate organizational feedback through this process. And that starts to shape, again, the vision of, uh, of what's being done, why it's being done. And it actually starts to get to the point of expressing um, some of the organizational concerns that might not otherwise come up when you're doing a broad, broad uh, base initiative like this. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, ultimately what, what that uh, ends up turning into is a, a fairly collaborative, um, you know, stickies on the wall uh, with a timeline um, building uh, various swim lanes and, okay, what are the high level things that we need to accomplish to start to my, you know, move to this vision? It takes various shapes, but what it's meant to do is it's meant to, again, kind of get that senior level alignment around this is what this is this is what we need to do this is why we need to do it this is what the vision looks like and here are the initial steps and we find by getting that kind of uh, consensus building and shaping it in a real way like that once we get into execution and we start to work you know move into the organization work with the organization we don't have to uh, get into the politics of convincing each part of the organization everybody's on you know already aligned and on board yeah This is Talking Agility. Send us your feedback at Accenture.com forward slash Talking Agility. While I was listening to you, I was kind of reflecting on my own experiences. And although a little bit separated from Agile, um, I've read a book um, which is by an author called Simon Sinek. And in fact, I actually met him yesterday. And um, that kind of brought me to the title of the book, which is Start With Why. And I think um, it's, a, it's a really nice connection that um, he also says start with why whenever you're thinking about you know, your purpose and what you're doing. And you're also bringing things back to the basics. Start with why, know why you're doing things, um, what you're doing, start shaping the vision um, from the why. So I thought that was that really resonated with me. So thank you very much for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say this, right. If we want to give somebody, if people want to walk away with value listening to this today, go Google Simon Sinek and, you know, do the YouTube. It's about, I think it's a seven or eight minute uh, TED talk that he does on this, which is really excellent. And it sums it up quite well. Yeah, when I met him yesterday, I did tell him that I watched that video for the first time many, many yeah, years ago. What I would add to that is, um, is, is what's, what really complements the discussion of why is Dan Pink's motivational model, um, you know, as far as oh, like yes, what motivates absolutely. the knowledge worker. And um, yes, people mm-hmm. need to understand why um, an organization needs to change, but also uh, the leadership in the organization needs to appeal and get the willing commitment of the knowledge workers to say, yes, that's something I want to be part of. And so this idea of vision, and when we talk about co-creating vision and we talk about deploying vision in what we hope is going to be an agile enterprise, um, it's very important that leadership acts what we would say in an agile way, inviting people to commit, not demanding, but inviting and talking and and asking for contributions to create that a truly co-created vision and, and inspire people within the organization to be part of something greater than themselves that they feel really good about. Absolutely. Now, um, 
in uh, describing that roadmap to agility and working with our clients, you talk about co-creation, shaping the vision, alignment with stakeholders, collaboration. And I assume all of these have led to some lessons that you have learned along the way. And I really wanted to ask you both, um, what have been those lessons that kind of has stuck with you throughout the journey? Um, what have been the challenges? What, was there something that really surprised you while you were um, working with clients in that sense? Yeah, I can jump in. Um, the, uh, and, and again, the, but the, you know, the reason that we've kind of gravitated to this process is, uh, is not based on uh, you know, brilliant inspiration, but simply by you know, going through the school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and without getting the alignment, there is some way, w- w- again, when you're talking about enterprise transformation, when you're talking about an organization that's functionally um, uh, structured, um, you're talking about an organization that oftentimes has um, uh, has been steeped in failure. And what I mean by failure is I mean that the ability to deliver a uh, development project or a you know big development project in a way that uh, is either on budget or on scope or anything else has been historically not very good, which is what's led them to try to seek another way of doing it. In an organization like that, what you have is you have a lot of the people that survive, survive because they, uh, they can survive in a political environment. So the nature of the beast is we're going into very complex uh, situations with a lot of times not a lot of uh, track record of success. Um, a lot of people that are in functional slots that have evolved in a political organization and the ability to get something done without going toward that alignment on the first front is, is really just doesn't happen. Um, because along the way, um, you're going to find somebody that's got, you know, potentially a different agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless you've got as high as you can get in the organization, you know, somebody saying, pointing, we're going to go this direction. Um, these things will, uh, you know, oftentimes you're, you're planting seeds of agility, um, but the ability for it to actually achieve that level of ambition that's on the front end of, uh, you know, the design, um, it, it, it's very difficult to reach that unless you've got that uh, senior level sponsorship, alignment across the functional areas, and um, really the ability for people that are experiencing the change to be able to, in a transparent way, provide feedback about where things might be going right or going left, and then iterate, you know, continuously and shift the uh, shift the plan accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, so those would be the, and again, that's, uh, that, that's based on a lots of, you know, kind of initiations and, uh, you know, inspecting and adapting and expecting and adapting, but that seems to be right now a pattern. Yeah. What I, what I'd add another point, which I think has been extremely valuable, uh, uh, to us in our ability to help clients was actually going through our own, um, agile transformation as a consulting company. Um, we were actually, um, challenged by our staff years ago, um, you know, um, about if if we're going to actually provide agile consulting services, then we need to actually adopt these agile practices ourselves internally. And we kind of thought that we were, but we were constantly challenged by our staff and it really led to, um, our introspection and kind of, and rethinking about what we thought our roles as managers and leaders should be. And I think that type of knowledge that kind of, of kind of gone and going through it yourself is very helpful for clients, um, you know, to 
to uh, talk to somebody who has a sense of not just what's happening on the ground, but also what's happening internally inside um, the the leadership's minds, etc. And um, the conversation kind of is bringing me to my final question. Um, and I wanted to ask you, we know that there are some industries which are further along um, their journey towards agility than others. What would be one piece of advice that you would give to someone who perhaps knows that they need to be transforming in this way, but they aren't really sure where to start? Yeah, so I, I would say this, and this is something, you know, Charlie, you know, talked in the front end a little bit about kind of the evolution as we've seen in the agile space. And what's what what really, um, I think, uh, is is now, you know, kind of second nature to us, but I think it's new for organizations, is the concept that the idea of implementing Scrum in my organization isn't necessarily going to, you know, isn't necessarily going to, you know, kind of help me get to where I want to get to. Um, DevOps by itself isn't really, you know, the solution. Boy, I've got this, uh, you know, legacy uh, architecture that is really slowing me down. So it almost becomes fairly overwhelming for a client to start to take a look at all of the aspects associated with retooling their organization so that they can build this responsiveness Mm -hmm. that they talked about. And um, the, the... the the a thousand uh, you know thousand mile journey starts with the first step and that's why the way in which we gauge, engage is an iterative one um, and it's one that actually is comprehensive so when we come and we're working with our clients and thanks to the you know depth of expertise that we have you know across the board both globally and uh, you know in in various areas at Accenture we have the ability to help with that element of DevOps transformation, putting the elements of how do you do the teamwork? How do you address scaling? How do you do something like digitally coupling so we can actually still leverage our legacy systems, um, but still have real-time data access and those kinds of things. So this is, um, it's, it's, uh, it's overwhelming to try to assume what all the steps would be, you know, to get from where we are today to get to the finish line. Um, but as it becomes emergent and as we have that vision, so we kind of know what our true north is for our clients, that then helps us just stay in the right direction. And again, we take it one step what at I'd, a time. What I'd add is, yeah. and we've kind of been talking about this a little bit um, throughout this conversation, but um, what is absolutely fundamental is the mind shift change, the cultural change. Um, and, um, to give you an idea of what that, of that means, John talked a little bit about before is like, if we, if we come out of what we might call a traditional, uh, management, uh, value system where you do it right the first time, or you apply a rational decision making process where you analyze the options and mm-hmm. choose the, the best one. And that's a, that's a different mentality than learn as you go. Um, do it right the first time and learn as you go are different strategies. They're really opposed to each other. The agile approach is learn as you go. And you choose that approach because you have no other choice. So um, those mind shift uh, changes, they happen one person at a time. Um, but to affect an organization, they, there's the collective when, when more and more people uh, have those mind shift changes to what we would say an agile mind shift, um, then you start to affect the corporate culture. Um, and as, as John pointed out, it's, it's, this is not merely a business process change. It's not a technology change. It's a, it's a, it, it goes deep into the organization, um, both in terms of its purpose, in, in terms of why it exists, and then how it's going to operate so that this new 
a, a set of, of, of uh, principles can be appropriately applied. Brilliant. That I really, really like the um, all the examples that you gave in the book reference. That I think that was a thank you both very much for this response, and uh, this brings us to the end of our interview. And I would like to sincerely thank you for taking the time to join me. Great. Thanks very much. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Whether you're just starting your agile journey with small teams, or you're well on your way towards enterprise agility, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Talking Agility. I'd like to say huge thanks to my guests Charlie and John Rudd for sharing their experiences and insights and to you, our listeners, for joining us. Your feedback is important to us. Therefore, please visit accenture.com forward slash talkingagility where you can read more and let us know what you think. Please also subscribe to iTunes and SoundCloud so you don't miss an episode. I'm Elita Nacheva, your host, and I hope I'll speak to you next time. Thank you for tuning in.